0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Startup Parent Podcast. This is the show where we get to talk to working parents, entrepreneurs, business leaders, and creatives about what it looks like to raise kids and also build companies. I'm your host, Sarah K. Peck. Fall is here and school is back in session. Parents everywhere are fatigued, they're overwhelmed, and yet everyone is still in the lurch. Nothing is certain, everything is changing. And on top of that, workplaces are becoming less and less forgiving. However, the problems created by the pandemic are still here with all of us. So what are working parents to do? Last week, Lions and Tigers, spearheaded by Bria Starmer, gathered together a panel to help you think about how do you strategically plan ahead for the last quarter of the year? What do you need to do to advocate for yourself as a working parent, especially right now when job situations are so intense? What options do parents have in creating school alternatives or getting their kids the childcare they they need right now, maybe micro schools are an option. And how do you navigate and set up your workplaces to be more compatible with the working parents in your organization? Right behind me,
1: Actonauts.
0: Actonauts. Actonauts. <laughs> um, right behind me, I have my four year old who is watching Octonauts as I try to record something. So you may hear him in the background. I was lucky enough to get to host this panel last week, and my four-year-old also made a surprise entrance there. So I got to interview some talented experts all about all of these questions. Joining me on the panel were Shauna Kazi of Weekdays, an organization that helps you create micro-schools, Blessing Adichian of Mother Honestly, and Bria Starmer of Lions and Tigers. One of the first things that parents ask me about in the early days is sleep, how to get it how to do it, how the baby gets sleep, and how you are going to get enough sleep. I mean, newsflash, you probably aren't, but I cannot tell you how many friends have told me once their baby sleeps through the night, they are still stressed out and waking up the parents because they are worried. If you want to calm that anxiety, then let me tell you about today's sponsor. This might be the perfect thing for you. The Nanit Plus Smart Baby Monitor helps you see that your baby is doing well so that the whole family can get a better night's rest. It is the only monitoring system that functions as a basic baby monitor and also a breathing motion monitor, plus a nanny cam and a sleep coach. You can rest assured that your baby is healthy and safe and sound and sleeping well. Check out nanit.com today to learn more about their Nanit Plus Smart Baby Monitor and how it can help you and your little one have a better night's rest. Also, Startup Pregnant listeners, you can use the code STARTUP at nanit.com to save 10% off your order. Okay, then um, while we're waiting, I want to ask some popcorn questions because Shauna, I'm just meeting you. I'm Sarah, by the way. I don't know if it came up, but um, hi. One of my favorite questions to ask, by the way, is how many consecutive hours of sleep did you get last night?
1: Oh my gosh. Uh, (laughs) I only got three last night because I'm a 14-month-old and he decided that he wanted to party last night. Oh
0: God, they always (laughs) do that before events. Um, How many total hours of sleep did you get?
1: Oh, probably eight. Like i okay. I definitely love sleep. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: the consecutive part is the tricky part where you're just yeah. like, Ooh. yeah. Um, Blessing. How about you?
2: How many consecutive hours? I got seven hours. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I always shoot for seven. Um, sometimes I land right before seven and sometimes I land at eight. So that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's amazing.
3: Bria, where are you at? Mm, I don't know about consecutive I'm just about to enter my third trimester so I'm in that like you wake up all the time you gotta go to the bathroom I got that big pregnancy pillow thing
0: wedge between your knees
3: yeah exactly I I swear when this is all over I'm gonna like office space that pillow I'm gonna take it out we're gonna go to a field (laughs) it up. (laughs) thing has gotta go that's amazing Uh, maybe seven seven might be generous yeah
0: uh, I was dragging so much yesterday because the night before, I think I got like four hours of sleep because we, you know, we got thrown back into daycare or we're out of daycare again. So all the kids are home. So my husband and I worked really late to try to finish the projects we had scheduled. We went to bed around 12 or one, but then we woke up around five. And so yesterday, by the end of the day, I was just like, guys, I can't go anywhere, or do anything. And uh, I think we fell asleep around 830. So I got seven hours last night. That was great.
3: You woke up so early though, too. I do
0: like just pretend I'm in a different time zone. Like I just, if you pretend I'm in London, it'll make more sense, but we tend to wake up at four 30 most days. Um, it just like, but I also go to bed at eight 30. Like I'm not burning the pipe at both ends. I just have a different schedule. Um, Shawna, your face was amazing.
1: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the opposite. I get like everything done in the evening and after the kids go to sleep at four 30. Yeah. yeah I just to watch like I'm, every sunrise.
0: I'm just so selfish. I like, I can't stand, sorry kids, being with the kids until I like have my stuff done. So I get up early, I like get my three hour chunk of work done. My husband actually, when we don't have childcare, my husband watches the kids until nine. So I get like a five hour day. Um, and then after that, I'm like, you can do whatever you want because uh, mommy actually got something done. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> don't send me an email. So, at <laughs> I know you will get emails from me and I need to adopt Bria's signature. That's like my work hours are not your work hours. So you don't have to reply right now. <laughs> yes. My, my three year old's knocking four year old is knocking on the door. So how many children do we all have? I would love to know Bria. I'm going to go around the opposite way. So Bria, where are we at with um, the, your family? Tell us a little bit about it.
3: Sure. I've got two boys. I have a four and a half and a one and a half. And then I've got a little girl on the way this December.
0: Oh, I'm so excited for you. Yeah. Anything, tell us about your family.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, me? Jeez. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I mean, to like the whole baby thing. I'm like, wait, um, no, I'm not pregnant, um, but maybe I want to be pregnant since I completely like just looked at Bria like, oh my God, <laughs> um, I have three kids, so I definitely don't need extras right now. Um, <laughs> girls. <laughs> Two girls and a boy. So my, my daughter is 11-year-old um, and my son is two and a half. And then my second daughter is going to be one tomorrow, September 11th. So very excited about that. Wow. Congratulations.
0: Hi. We've got a guest joining us also in my room. Hey. Um, Shauna, tell us that you want to come say hi. Dad, Dad is putting Henry to sleep, so the four-year-old is unattended. Um, Shauna, tell us about your family.
1: Got a guest. I oh I have a four and a half year old and a fourteen month old.
0: Ah, it's close to us. So I've got a. Uh, how old are you, Leah? Four. Yep, he's four, and actually you're close to four and a half. And then Henry is almost two. Um, and it's his nap time. It's one o'clock. Ashley, how are we doing? Uh, do you want us to go ahead and kick off the official? I'd. Lo- I'm.
1: I think we sure can. <laughs>
0: Sure can. Um, I love it. And, uh, you want to say sure can. Sure can. Sure can. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. All right. Um, so thanks everyone for being here at Leo. Mommy's going to have to talk a lot. So do you want to sit in that chair while I do it? Okay. Okay. Deal. Um, so, so, We are going to have a conversation with these amazing folks who have joined me. We're thinking about how the pandemic is affecting working parents. If you're here, um, I know you're here because you're just like me and trying to navigate all of this going on. Thank you, sweetie. So I want to talk about, the good news is that you guys get to talk more than I do. We're going to talk about how we can think about the year ahead and plan ahead for the long haul and what employers can do to help support and what you might be able to do to mitigate and think about this. Um, I've got three amazing people here. We have Blessing Adishan, the founder and CEO of Mother Honestly. We have Shauna Kazi, the creator of Weekdays, which is uh, an organization that builds helps people create micro schools, which I'm so excited to ask her about. And we have Bria Starmer, the CEO of Lions and Tigers. Um, So, and my name is Sarah Peck. I'm the CEO and founder of Startup Parent. I also have a podcast by the same name. So I wanna start bussing with you. I would love to ask you, can you tell us a little bit about what do you see happening in the lives of working parents? I mean, I know working parents are struggling hard at various levels, but can you give us a sense of like how are people managing? And I will not use the word balancing work and family, right? Like how are they managing? How are they coping? Um, how How is this happening? What's happening with works, parenting,
2: school and jobs? Absolutely. So I think what, you know, I, it's no longer news to everyone, right, that we, we have a public health crisis on our hands. Um, we have a gender crisis on our hands. We have a caregiving crisis on our hands. I mean, the crisis continues. We have an economic crisis on our hands. Um, and so what is happening is, you know, that women are being affected neg- negatively. Um, as a result of this various crisis. And um, the reasons are not far-fetched. You know, we have women um, are mainly the caregivers, and they are also the one completing all the unpaid labor at home. So what we're hearing from a lot of our moms is that, oh my goodness, I have to work full-time. I have to take care of my family full-time. And then there's this psychological anxiety of safety making sure that my kids are safe, that the groceries we're bringing in are safe, that when we go out, that we are prepared to sort of fend off this virus. Um, and then on the other hand, we have a childcare crisis because these parents are now at this point in their lives where school is starting again and much of the school across the country is a hybrid schedule or it's virtual. And so parents are now having to deal with can we send our kids to school? So that is again dependent on your, you know, comfort level, right? Can I really send my kids to school? And I know we talked about it, Sarah, of you know, you sending your kids back and then you know they have to stay home another two weeks. Um, so so we have this crisis, and then we have the childcare system itself that eight to six percent of them are struggling to stay open because families are not eager to bring their kids back. And they have to now spend so much money to keep their organization clean and up to standard so that parents can feel comfortable coming in. So what we have on our hands is just a bunch of mess that working parents are having to deal with themselves. And what I mean by that is that we have a society that has deprioritized working families from day one. And the pandemic has basically uh, exposed... What is wrong in our society? We have a society that was built for one single earner family, um, but really enjoys the benefits of a dual career family and has failed to support that family structure. So it's a whole bunch of different things. And if you're still following, it's the, the, the short summary is that um, this is unsustainable. It's unsustainable for us, it's unsustainable for our economy, it's unsustainable for childcare centers that are supporting working families. And so yeah. I don't have the answers right now. I think what I what I have is what where do we go from here? How do we reshape the next economy? How do we reshape what comes after COVID? And how do we prepare ourselves, women especially who have been set yeah. back? I mean, I, I don't think there's a question or a doubt in our mind. Um, that women are going to be set back for at least a decade or more. And so how can we stop that bleed? And how can we prepare women and our next generation of girls for what's coming?
0: Oh, thank you so much for saying all of this, because it's just like, it is dire. But I, I also think there is some relief in saying it. Listen, if you feel overwhelmed and frazzled and stressed out, like you can't do it all or have it all, or somehow you're not able to like massage it and get it just right. Like that was the cutest my kid has been in a good long while. Like, I don't know how that happened because that is a lie. Everyone, like it is a lot harder than that. Um, But I and I just secretly like slid him an iPad and I was like, watch whatever you want, like just so that I could get through this panel. But I think what you're saying is so useful because um, like this isn't your fault. This is an economic problem. This is a social problem. This is a daycare problem. This is a business problem. This is a pandemic. There's so much going on. And the reality is that it's really hard. It's not sustainable. And we're not going to be able to just like cope like this for a long time. So thank you for saying that. Um, I I have a follow-up question for you because I know that you have looked a lot at like how this is affecting, the pandemic is affecting women's jobs, promotions, bonuses, like the discrimination happening in the workforce, and you just said it might be a decade, right, set us back. What do you see happening there, and what are people experiencing? Can you tell us a couple of those stories?
2: I think women are so we've we've surveyed a lot of women in our community um and a lot of women are struggling with you know their performance and it's it's the honest truth and not a lot of people are going to be so open and honest about it but you know w- what we've seen is that performance is down because we're spending more time you know on that on un- unpaid labor at home um well, we are also seeing that women are being discriminated against because of that right so yep a lot of you know managers the words that we're hearing is that they've run out of patience they felt like they were supportive enough before the we know right when the pandemic hit like we were nice to you we let you keep your job we let you kind of you know walk through things but now we need to deliver right for the fourth quarter we need to wrap this up because our investors want to return on their investment and so what we're seeing is that we women are facing a lot of pressure in a very, very family unfriendly um, environment, and and I don't know if you guys saw the latest article on the, in the New York Times last week that that said, you know, even in tech companies that are supporting working parents, single people that don't have families are basically saying, why are you supporting these people? We feel left out, and this is not fair. And so. Women are you know even in the workplace, not being supported the way they should be, and there 's a lot of discrimination, yes. whether it's you know you having to walk twenty four seven around the clock or an employer that is completely impatient and inflexible in supporting you during this pandemic so <laughs> I think the biggest thing um, that we need to understand going especially going into the end of the year is that we are coming up against some very, very tough performance review period. And women need to brace for impact. Um, If you are working full-time right now, this is time to start collecting everything that you've done right. Okay, start collecting, start taking an inventory of things that you've done right and start, you know, asking people for whether it's a good review about you, whatever it is that you need to make sure that you can effectively articulate and communicate What you've accomplished in the year. Um, Another thing is to talk to your manager and say, "Hey, I know that we have three more months or four more months. What can I do to end this year on a good note? What can I do to wrap this up, button this up for us in a way that serves you and serves the company?" Um, So these are these are things that we're seeing: is that you know a lot of people are losing their income, they're losing their um, their jobs. Because a lot of companies are running out of patience. A lot of companies are saying, like, we were, we were nice to you, but it's time for you to deliver. But we are still very much in a pandemic. Uh, nothing has changed. And so uh, part, of, part of the conversation that we need to be having, and I'm glad Breer is here to expand on that, on, on that, is how can employers support working families? How can we support right. caregivers that are you know, having to take care of their kids, having to work, and having to really deal with all the various, um, you know, aspect of this pandemic that may not be clear to us. Some people have elderly folks at home that they need to take care of. Some people have, you know, whether it's, uh, um, they are living in an in a abusive relationship. There are just so many things that is happening that we need to be ready to tackle from an employer side and yeah. also from the public policy side.
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. This is so beautifully said, um, although so challenging for everyone dealing with it. And, and one of our, our watchers here just said that discriminatory attitude was so vividly described by blessing. I, I agree. Um, thank you. Uh, I think I'll, I want to add one small note here. Um, for all of my parents out there, it, articles like the New York Times, where they pit parents against non-parents, I'm going to tell us, don't take the bait. Do not take the bait, because um, this is actually one of the things that keeps us from being focused together on the solutions we need, because people everywhere are suffering, and people who don't have children are also suffering, and it doesn't help us in the long run if we tell people without kids that we have it so much harder. I mean, maybe we do, but... We're not, we're not going to take the bait. Okay. Right. This is not going to be an effective strategy for us in the long term. I love blessing what you said too, about being your own champion. And if you can't find it within you to do that, like you're struggling mentally to be able to do that, find a buddy, find another gal, um, find another working parent and say like, what are the best things I've done this year? Like I've got like, to get my ego back on board so that I can pass this performance review because chances are you're doing a better job than you think you are. Um, I don't know if you all remember, but like during the postpartum period, I felt like I was just like, like, I felt like my skirt was up and my blouse was open and everyone could see everything I was feeling and that I was doing a horrible job and people did not have that experience of me. So just because you're feeling like you're doing a bad job, you might be doing better than you think. Um, I want to come over to you, Shauna, and ask you all about, um, you've created weekdays and you're like deep in solution mode, which is like one of my favorite places to live. And you've, it's this way for parents to find and join amazing neighborhood micro schools. Can you tell us, first of all, how do they work and how did you come up with the idea?
1: Yeah, so I started this company a year ago out of Madrona um, Venture Labs in Seattle I was there, I was a partner there, I was helping women start um, tech companies, and um, I really started to solve my own problem, so kind of to set the scene a little bit, um, before the pandemic, like Lessing said, there was a child care desert, which means there, you know, in in uh, the United States, more than half of the country lived in what's called a child care desert, where there's three times as many kids as there are spots open. So it was already really hard to find childcare and support for your children. And I experienced that after we sold Decide.com four years ago when I had my son, I actually took myself out of the workforce. Um, The timing was was okay because we just sold our startup and I didn't wanna join eBay. But um, that's really when like the seeds of this idea started for me was realizing like, what is happening with this industry? why is it so hard to find childcare, you know? And I I could even pay, you know, it's not like I was looking for a subsidized spot. So, um, I and then fast forward to being at Madrona and my son is now entering preschool and I'm on eight wait lists in my neighborhood and not getting off the wait list. And all of those wait lists were for 20 kids in a classroom. And this is his first school experience. And so, and he had a speech delay. And I, so I just, and then I realized how much teachers were making and it's preschool teachers are making $30,000 a year in Seattle which is made me really upset. Um, so I kind of just you know really started looking at solutions for myself and then looking at is there something here and um, did a beta test early last or I guess last summer and launched weekdays before the pandemic and then the pandemic hit and sort of, I think we all have seen what's happened, but to, to kind of give you, and I think we've experienced it a lot of us who are parents, but to give you a, a, just a glimpse at the scale of this, at the height of the pandemic, 55 million children were affected across 124,000 schools and um, 25% of, of those centers, those options that I was on the wait list for closed down. So they're small businesses too. So all of a sudden, it just, you know, to kind of put some context to what Blessing said, like, this is a crisis we have never seen before in child care and school support. And um, teachers don't want to go back. 25% of them are high risk. So it's understandable. They don't want to be forced to go back into the classroom. And there's not really right now an end in sight. So um, the pandemic hit and we switched. Um, we were focused on preschools and we had some infant care and after-school programs and our after-school programs turned into full-day school support and um, really we looked at even bringing the number of children down so our our focus is eight children or less they're in the um, educators home within a neighborhood or the parents home so these are like walkable within your neighborhood school support options and um, my son is actually going to one uh, cottage um, micro school that's right down the street from us and there's six kids in his group and the teacher gets paid more than she was making at a preschool formerly and um it's less than a lot of the preschools in the neighborhood so the model really works out when you look at look, you, you look for creative ways about the real estate cost and then you use technology um, for all of the admin type work that um, an administrator or a school director used to be doing
0: I muted myself. Uh, I was going to say, how did it work? <laughs> how does it work in terms of like, aren't there lots of rules and regulations for childcare centers? And how do you pass all the different state? I, this is the essence of your startup, right? But I like want to get into the details. How does that? How yeah. did you?
1: How did you solve this? Well, I mean, there's a lot to it, but you know, focusing on each section. So we help with live. We're, we're we've been called the Airbnb of childcare and school support. And I think that makes sense in a lot of ways, except for we have a really high quality bar. We only work with about 15% of the educators that are interested in working with us. So that's maybe the only difference. But we help with liability. Our platform really helps with a website, enrollments, payments, liability insurance, all the support you would need to figure out if you're license exempt or licensed. Um, And then all the paperwork and forms that you need, including a COVID agreement. So essentially, if you're an educator and you want to work with children and you have prior experience, or if you're a parent who's interested, we will just make it completely effortless to find a great option in your neighborhood and for an educator to start a program. I mean, I saw this, I was on your website and it was like, enter your zip code. And I said to myself,
0: that's something I can do, right? Like there's so much decision fatigue happening. Like I sometimes forget my zip code. I'm like, I don't know, I can't get there. You know, somebody asked me to choose between three things, it was too hard, move along. But (laughs) but you do really make it easy. Um, It reminds me a little bit of the Acton Schools model. I don't know if you're familiar, Um, but I heard about it a long time ago, like not a long time ago. What are are child years, but seven years at a time. Um, But uh, the question I have is, how's it going? like how are how are signups going like what have you learned uh from implementing this over what launching and beginning of the year till now september
1: yeah well it felt like you know from a startup perspective we relaunched the company after the pandemic because it was a, a really a truly different world so i mean i think it's such a fascinating time for startups right now i mean there is so much room to innovate and if you can move quick and learn and start to look at themes and see the future so Essentially, the way I think about it is we relaunched and then it was really interesting because we heard from a lot of parents as childcare centers were closing as schools were closed that wanted to look at this option and we didn't, we weren't hearing from almost any parents. So, um, and that was really unique because our cost per lead for a teacher before the pandemic and maybe this is way too much detail, but was, um, was, you know, right around $400. And then yeah. after the pandemic, it was ni- we weren't even doing any marketing to get the, the educators, but <clears throat> when we did it was $19. I mean, just like it couldn't have been more different because um, all of the educators are really looking for a different option and looking to figure out this doesn't look like it's going away soon. What am I going to do this year? Um, and then uh, two and a half months ago, right around two and a half months ago, when, it, when we saw a better picture of what was going to happen, I think from a parent perspective of what the school year was going to look like, and you started to see this rolling mention of schools being remote, of schools not coming back, um, of the teacher unions really having a tough time thinking about forcing them to go back into the classroom and it was like overnight it was a switch we just started hearing from thousands and thousands of parents every single day and then businesses and that's been one of the bright spots for me is there's not enough funding in this area right now there is funding for um, child care preschool after school programs but there's not enough and a lot of those places that did that could accept funding have closed down a lot of those mm-hmm. small smaller not mm-hmm. smaller but some of those centers Um, so it's hard for everyone. It's especially hard if you need support, um, for your children. So, um, so the business one has been really exciting to me. I mean, if, if, especially when you think about it's not there, a lot of them are offering subsidies, not all they're moving, for instance, the gym membership subsidy, um, over to childcare this year, because it's the number one thing on, um, employees minds to be able to keep working. Um, So that's been a common one. It's easier to to move a line item than to create a new one when you're looking at your HR costs. So, um, so, but the great thing is it's not just for executives. This is for across the company. And so um, it's been one of the bright spots for me is working with businesses and being able to roll out um, support for schooling, for elementary schooling, for childcare and for infant care. So, and remind me again, what ages you cover. Is it all school ages or is it focused on preschool and elementary school? It's focused on preschool and early elementary. So at the time when children basically need those early childhood education environments where they do still need some supervision and like a really personalized learning experience. Mm-hmm.
0: And then we've got a question from the audience. Do you think this business model can be exported to South American countries, Chile in particular?
1: Thanks. So what are your <laughs> thoughts on, on sharing, spreading the business model? Well, let's talk. I mean, I think this is, you know, we all have to look at creative solutions right now, and um, yeah. and for, for certainly for the business support, I think that translates. I mean, really really, what we're doing, I mean, this is community helping each other. It's going back to neighbors helping neighbors. Like, these are all within blocks. You know, kids are walking to these neighborhood micro schools. So I think that that's applicable. I mean, we've been doing that for years. We're just going back to helping each other. Um, so. <laughs> You know, I've got,
0: I've got one, I, I like, I'm not going to stay too much longer here because I also want to ask Bria so many questions, but I do want to, I want to ask you, what do you think about in terms of equity uh, when it comes to making schools accessible for different populations? Because I, I understand, you know, I, I have the ability to pay $2,000 a month for childcare for my children. I live in New York City, right? That's not accessible to the majority of America, let alone parts of the world. Uh, can you talk to, can you talk to this and how you think about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I think, like Blessing said, it's not, um, it's not simply the pandemic. It was like that before the pandemic. Now it's really been highlighted. um, And it's gotten a lot harder. But, um, but, you know, there's a, you know, there's government support that exists, you just need to apply for it. Childcare Aware is a great site, um, for anyone who's interested in that. And then there's, uh, there are neighborhood options that accept that the toughest thing is that for a lot of these smaller micro schools that are popping up you can't get licensed fast enough to be able to accept some of that support and there's just not enough funding available so we need to keep um, putting pressure really from not only um from from families maybe offering some support for which is what they're doing. They're reaching out to community groups saying we've got a partial scholarship spot in our pod or a micro school. That's not a perfect solution. There's businesses who are offering subsidies. That's a a great solution because it can happen fast. We're in talks with a couple um, city councils and school districts. That's a great solution, but it's not going to probably happen really fast. So I feel like um, we need to put pressure. I mean, We need help, and if there's anything that we should be talking about right now, it's the parents who need support and and really advocating for more funding. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Um,
0: If we can bail out the banks, we should be able to bail out the parents. Uh, Bria, coming over to you. Um, so for you, I know you're working on this from the employer angle. So we've uh, we've talked about the situation with Blessing and how to advocate for yourself. And we've talked about um, schools and how to get that childcare, because sometimes it's just impossible to get anything done as you saw evidenced by me and you know, four year old with the iPad. For you, you are working on this from the workplace angle. I, I know how passionate you are about bringing flex work to more companies and changing the way organizations think about their teams and their talent. In the era of COVID, how can brands, I hate that it's an era, but in the era of COVID, how can brands best support their caretaker employees who are pulled in so many directions? What do you see as uh, viable solutions and strategies today?
3: I mean, the workplace has changed so drastically from, you know, if you think about 10 years ago, you know, Uber, Airbnb, I mean, these were like whiteboard ideas. You know, my father-in-law was still putting money into his pension. Like we were all hoping for a really different kind of future where we were really tied to our employer. When I got out of college, you know, I got an offer from Microsoft and they, matched my 401k, I knew I was gonna have 40 hours a week of work, right? Like, it's just a very different kind of working world now. Um, and you see the talent shift. You, you know, we've got a quarter of Americans unemployed. We see, we, and before the pandemic, we saw nearly 50% of freelancers moving, or of Americans moving to freelance by the year 2027 was already the prediction. So there's a massive talent revolution underway. And so to hear advocacy from folks like Blessing and Shauna, who are thinking about how do we care for our caretakers among these major trends happening in the workplace is really a mind-boggling situation. It can feel really daunting and overwhelming, honestly. Um, And we work with a lot of clients who just feel like they don't know where to go. But the really amazing thing about this time is that we're built to do hard things, And people like the folks that gathered on this call and all of our attendees, like this is the point of coming together right now is to re-envision what this could all look like. Um, Lions and Tigers specializes in freelance and flexible work. So of course, like we're already in in that space. We think of ourselves as a lab for how this future of work can manifest itself. But the kind of work that we see going well, especially for caretakers, um, it involves two things. And I have a little bit of a cheat because on our team, we have a licensed psychologist, Dr. Renee St. jacques And so Renee and I talk a lot about these two things that are really critical. First is empathy and second is flexibility. And those sound very simple, but they're not. Empathy in the workplace is uh, is kind of a new trend. Mental health in the workplace is kind of a new trend. I mean, that's something that, you know, we weren't really addressing before. It was like, you know, you need to come up and do your job and go home and like, and you hit everything. There was not this authenticity that we have now where everything's digital, we're online, you know, I mean, I'm sharing pictures of my kids on LinkedIn, very different experience than what we had before. And so, this idea of empathy where you are, and and empathy simply just means this idea of sitting in relationship to one another and managing your own emotions relations to one another. You know, I've been interviewing a number of managers at these big organizations asking like, what do you need right now? What's happening? And they're all telling me that they're turning into therapists in their own right. Not only do they have to do their own job and care for their family, they also have to care for their workers and making sure that they feel supported. And so what we've been testing is all these different flexibility strategies, because to me, flexibility is the great unifier. It is the universal need. It is the thing that there's the greatest gap around. You see workers, asking, you know, nearly 90% of workers need flexibility, less than 50% of people say that they have it. So it's a tremendous gap. And of course, if you think about the cost of retention and hiring people to replace the folks that fall out of the workforce, you know, the idea of Shauna not working is a tragedy for all of us. Like we need workers like Shauna and others, especially these high impact women available for work, even at 10 or 15 hours a week, it is a tremendous advantage. So we have these, you know, a number of flexibility strategies that we help people come up with so that they can access this kind of talent and retain them in their own right. So that's the kind of work that we've been studying for the last couple of years
0: oh that's amazing i i mean i know that you think a lot too about this from the perspective of like how do you create let's say you you you've got your childcare figured out, kind of, right? You've got your, your mom's here, your dad's here, Some you've got a, you've got an op here, whatever it is you have figured out. Now you're starting to build things. You run a team. Like you're a leader at one of these organizations and you're looking at the landscape of the future and thinking, okay, how do I find great people? Who should I hire? What should I hire? What does the talent pipeline look like? I think one of the things that you talk about so specifically that's so helpful is that we need to get out of the way of thinking about W-2s. Like, you know, we used to think that there are pensions in W-2s can you talk about um, how do you put it retaining people and hiring new people and outsourcing and like think how do you think about staffing and what like what revolutions or insights do you have when it comes to how you can set up your organization in the first place
3: I mean, organizations right now, the, the number of times that I hear the word transform and innovate among our clients is just, it happens all the time. Like, I'm a kook, so if that was a drinking game, we'd be in trouble. But, like, <laughs> like the, the idea of trying to transform and make decisions collectively is really the the moment that we're in. And the idea that you would only look to the people who are full-time employed in your organization to make those decisions is really limited. It's really limiting. Um, And the idea that they also are taxed, they also may not be bringing their best selves to work, certainly means that you are limited to the brain cells that you have in the room. This idea then that you could consider freelance, outsource agency work um, really means that you can open up your virtual boardrooms to a lot more talent. It also means it's a much more inclusive way of working, right? We get access to different regions, different skill sets, and this is really where the workforce is going. I mean, we're moving towards a skilling revolution as opposed to an employee revolution. I can say, so like I think like a in a in a home buying scenario, this is like a, you know, it's a seller's market right now. Of course, because a lot of folks are unemployed. But if we were to turn that on its head and and let brands think about how do I innovate decision-making in my organization for and being able to bring in the exact skill sets I need for those next set of decisions? Wouldn't I have a bigger and better opportunity to make sure that I'm the most competitive possible? And so there's a couple of things I think about. One is, Risk. So for that next decision, are there legal risks? Are there um, IP risks? Do I need someone to sit with me for a long term so that I can ensure that that risk is mitigated for that next decision? The next is of my team that I have, do I have the specialists in the room or do I need something very specific? Am I trying to solve an SEO problem and I need someone specifically for that? Or am I looking for someone that specializes in change management or in our case, exec coaching? Um, So there are these like very specific skill sets that you may not have incumbent on your team. And then the other thing is, as I think about altitudes of decisions. So am I, uh, am I a leader that's planning for a workforce revolution of 4,000 employees, or am I thinking about an individual contributor? And so that altitude really may dictate who you need alongside you to make those decisions. Um, and so the way in which we're, the speed at which we're making those decisions really changes and you can really think very creatively about who you bring alongside you for that, those decision-making processes.
0: Oh my gosh, I love hearing you talk about like the way that you think about employing and staffing a workforce because I think one of the most limiting beliefs of the last, let's call it the last 20 years, but it's probably longer than that, maybe it's 70 years, is that a worker has to look like a white man who shows up 40 or 50 hours a week in an office with a briefcase with a wife, right? Like we've got all these stipulations for what a worker is supposed to look like, but if you run the numbers on America alone, and you say, well, how many people actually look like that? Like Just from an innovation standpoint, simply from like a talent acquisition standpoint, you have ruddered yourself so badly in trying to find the best people. I'm not, right, listen closely. I'm not saying that white men who are married with wives at home are bad people or not talented. They're certainly talented. There's just so many more people that are also talented that when you change the model and you shift it a little bit, you can go so far. It's just, I mean, it's so cool to hear you talk about this in the talent pipeline. And also, um, it's already happening, Fiverr, Upwork, right? This is not something that's like, ooh, let's imagine the future of work. This is the presence of work. So um, I I wanna come back around and do a little bit of a group discussion here now that we've heard from each of these angles. And I wanna ask you about this big long term question. And the question that we're sitting on is, how do we do this for what looks like might be another year? right? We've got parents um, who are, and, and I don't have, I'm, I'm not a future predictor. I don't know how long this is going to last, but we do have a school year ahead of us. So like, how do we make it through the next year? What are the strategies that we can rely on to, to, get, to get through it? And we've got parents um, who, like, the world is it's full of uncertainty, We don't know what's coming. we got decision fatigue. We've got mental health struggles. We've got all the things that you've mentioned. So I would like to start by asking you all, what are you thinking about when it comes to long-term? What coping mechanisms, what strategies are you either seeing people use effectively or you yourself personally coming up with? Um, And I'll start, I'll share share one thing that that we're doing in our family. Um, We have a mantra. Uh, that we do good enough. It's good enough. We, my husband and I have shorthand and it's like, are you being a good enough parent? Great, right? Like, did they get mac and cheese? Great, doesn't matter. Like, did they not eat? Are they fine? They're fine, they're fine, they'll eat more tomorrow. Like, did my child have three cups of milk for dinner? Yes, he's fine. We're just at the like basic expectations. Are you doing a good enough job? Um, there are places in our life very specifically that we want to do stretch goals, but our bandwidth to be able to do it is so much shorter. We can't try to be like the maximizer in every single possible scenario. So we're like, w- whenever there's something going on, it's like, oh, you know, that kid, by the way, the child that you saw at the top of this was wearing his pajamas and it is 1.30, right? Like just classic, like, is he clothed? good enough, like it's good enough. So um, I'm gonna come back to you, Blessing. What are some coping mechanisms or strategies that you personally are
2: using or that you recommend? Um, I think yours are you know, a great place to start. My kids are still in their pajamas and um, that's kind of the way we've actually invested more in pajamas um, than we have in the past because just go to bed in it and you know, wake up and, continue your day. Like we won't have to go over fighting over changing and like having to travel back and forth upstairs to go pick up a, a cl- you know, a piece of clothing. Like that's just not going to happen. Um, right. So, you know, find ways to cut corners. And um, I think the, the very first place to begin is just to acknowledge that you are in a effing pandemic. And, you know, and this is not something that has, you know, ever happened before in your life. And the only thing that needs to, the only thing that needs to happen is that you stay alive and come out at the end of this, you know, intact, with your family intact. I think that's the biggest thing because a lot of us, you know, a lot of people are going to fall sick and, you know, you're gonna do all you can to try not to fall sick. And if you have fallen sick and you've recovered, you know, great too. So I think the first thing is to prioritize yourself, prioritize your family, because nobody is going to take care of you. Um, you are the only one that will take care of yourself. And and so I always say, you know, make the most of this time with your family. See the silver lining. For us, the silver lining is that we are together. Right before this pandemic, my husband and I were running around like chickens with no eggs. I mean. He was walking outside of, the, um, of our city, so he was away for about three or four nights a week. I was spending two to three hours in a commute. It was a complete mess. And, you know, the pandemic has forced us to slow down. So that is one silver lining that we've acknowledged and decided yeah. we're going to make the most of. The second biggest thing is structure your day. This is the time Mm. to, and I know a lot of people are like, don't put a lot of stress on yourself. And I love what Sarah said. She wakes up at 4.30 to try to get work done before the kids wake up. So whatever you can structure, whatever can buy you two to three hours of stretch time to get some of the deep work done. Because what we're finding is that mom is being interrupted every three minutes, 47 seconds. So you just... I mean, we're talking about performance reviews. We're talking about all these different things. You're basically setting yourself up for failure if you don't have a good chunk of time, whether it's an hour, whether it's two hours or three, to actually get the deep work done so that when the kids are running around, you can get on your phone and do response to emails. You can do all these different things, catch up with a colleague, but you're able to at least get that stretch work done ahead of time. And lastly, get help. I mean, to me, it sounds very basic, but if you can just afford, and I think there's an article that shows that we're saving more now because we're not spending more on childcare. So if you can at least have some kind of buffer to, either it's get help that can come to your house, um, depending on your safety level, or just help to outsource a whole bunch of different things virtually, right? Things that can help you, whether it's a meal delivery system, whether it's somebody coming to the house to grab all the laundry, Whatever you can do to get that out of the way, and lastly, one more lastly, please get your get your spouse on board. I think what we're finding mm. in this pandemic is that women are losing their minds because suddenly they realize that they're married to men that cannot even support them in a pandemic. Like that is mind blowing to 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 suddenly realize that the world is literally in an apocalyptic, you know. situation and your spouse is not exactly, you know, trying, you know, attempting to work with you to make this work. So get your spouse on board if that has not happened yet, because men are getting more work done than women. They are getting ahead in this pandemic. What we found is that men are three to four times more likely to be promoted in this pandemic than women. And so (laughs) we're already falling behind and this is actually accelerating right, men's career. And I don't have any problem with that. I don't have any problem with that. What I have problem with is that this is happening at the expense, at the expense of women. So right. please get your, husband, your spouse, if you have one, get them on board, have a schedule, let them get their uninterrupted hour, two hours, That's get right. your own uninterrupted two hours, and then the rest can be free flow um and and please yard work or maintenance because that's what i hear from women in our group is oh but he does the car maintenance well how is that like that is not a task that is a task that can wait kids cannot wait to be fed kids cannot wait to be like things that are, that needs to kind of happen watching the kids and taking care of the kids that needs to be shared during this pandemic in order for mom to have that time to get work done and take care of herself mentally Physically and you know all the ways. Emotionally. So yeah. All the ways. That's my my take.
0: Love this. Thank you. I will level set for people who are like who think that waking up at 4 30 is a strategy. I was a college swimmer, so we woke up at 5 30 every day. So I am waking up one hour earlier than I normally do. Um so this is not like a stretch for me by any any imagination. And I also am like a liquid puddle of chocolate syrup, usually licking ice cream from the floor by about 7.30 at night, and I go to sleep at like 830. So If morning's not your thing, you can also do evenings, or if you can't do it, you can't do it, right? You do your best, Um, love it. Shauna, I'm gonna come over to you.
1: I woke up that early the day that I had my four and a half year old and I saw the sunset and I was like, this would be amazing if I was a morning person. I could watch the sunset every morning.
0: (laughs) No, the sunrise, (laughs) Sunrise, in the morning it's the sunrise. sunrise.
1: (laughs) I don't even have that in my vocabulary apparently. You're like, there's just a sunset,
0: that's all that exists. (laughs) So what um, coping strategies are you using?
1: So, I mean, I, I found some things that have been bright spots that have worked really well that I've been excited about. I mean, one of them, you know, when, I'm not sure if it's a coping mechanism, but when I'm looking at my team and who I need, I think um, that was a good point on like staffing and looking at your team, who, you know, who you need. I realized that I really needed, you know, when we started hearing from parents, I needed, I needed another team member. I needed somebody right away. So where it used to be just looking at Seattle, yeah because that's where our headquarters was, I posted the opening as a remote position and I got, I think, 600 people applying yeah. for it. I hired somebody in Palo Alto, um, which is great because that's an area that, where we have micro schools, and so it was mm-hmm. even better. But um, I was blown away at the talent pool that exists when now you know we're fully remote, we're gonna stay remote for our team um, and I've, it's just been so exciting. I mean, it's totally changed the company makeup because now we do team building, which is another thing I was going to mention, you know, via video and we do fun things. We talk about what our hobbies are, um, you know, animals, kind of, we, we just spend time to focus on sort of that water cooler type conversation that you're not getting in person, which I do miss. Now we have some yeah. time set aside, um. To do that, I have a, um, I thought it was an albino crow, but it's actually a lutistic crow, which is like a white crow that comes. And so I, um, I like share things like that with my team and they're doing all kinds of different hobbies and getting new animals and pets. And so I think looking at team building as a, you know, under the umbrella of self-care for yourself and your team is really important. It's also important because you want your team to have those bonds, especially in such a crazy time. And then maybe, um, the I think the biggest one was a mentality shift of, look, like for our industry, there hasn't been this much change in the last hundred years that there has been in the last four months. So that means we have a blank slate. If anybody's gonna come out of this, like now we might be on the same level as a big company because they're they've got losses, they're thinking about things differently, they can't move as fast. We might even have an advantage oh, over gosh. a big company. So if you kind of can shift that mentality of like, what could the future look like because now it's a bit of a blank slate that we've never you know arguably haven't seen since maybe the you know invention of mobile phones <laughs> i mean we it, it hasn't been from a, from a startup standpoint this much opportunity um you know if you have the resources and team to move fast then you know arguably yeah. the last 20 years so i think that's and then the last one i would say is just related to our industry is like if um you need support Um, talk to your team, talk to your HR team, talk to your CEO about getting support for school support and for childcare because you would be surprised at how open companies are to actually having that conversation. And it doesn't Mm. have to mean they have to spend a lot of money. There's all kinds of different ways they can support.
0: Mm, I love that and you know what that reminds me is like if you're having trouble hiring childcare, think about hiring in a different place hire and get stuff off your plate in your work right if hire a, a executive family manager if you will if you can right but from a different pool of applicants um I love that the humanity side of team building my husband has a 10 30 every Friday has a call with his team just it's not they're not allowed to do work talk it's just social and he like he's like can you watch the kids while I do this I'm like yes of course you know um, uh, so, uh, Bria, what, what do you want to layer on to this in terms of strategies and coping that you have found helpful or useful?
3: Well, I was taking notes during that. That was I asked awesome. me too. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is a bunch of good ideas. Okay, so at home we were doing fewer baths. We were we were a nightly bath family, and that has that's no longer. <laughs> it's not worth it. Also, uh, see, I remember talking to Sarah at the beginning of the pandemic. We were ordering all this fruit cocktail and canned tuna because we didn't know if we were going to have groceries. <laughs> And now, now, you know, we know that groceries can be delivered. So Costco delivery, um, they make, they have these little pre-made meals and like that, that's been a go-to for us. So like, there's just like hacks like that, that we just got to get through Um, at work. So we teach this concept called highest and best use. And it really kind of summarizes what you all were talking about, which is just this idea that. You only have so many hours and so much energy and you got to outsource the rest you need to sit in your highest and best use and so we actually have a framework we, we put in place to help people sort of work through and identify that so I love that that's a suggestion you all were making. The other thing that we've done is, um, especially when pandemic started, we did a bunch of um, documentation and backup planning so that if anyone got sick on the team we would have all the documents done we would have notes on our client accounts and and for our clients if any one of them got sick we serve as their backup so that that kind of like uh, fortification of our system was really important in early days and then now it's just in maintenance mode um we the other thing that we've really employed um because just like shauna our workplace is an, a major revolution right now i mean part-time consulting in a in a pandemic is like a very good idea. Um, and so we have really been forced to say no. So, uh, this has been a time where normally like my MO is to hit the gas and and that's how my career has worked. This has been a time where as a leadership team, we've had to be really thoughtful about what we say yes and no to and being okay and accepting a no or a slightly different pace, even with the calling from the market. That's just been a, it's honestly, it's a challenge as a leader to not want to say yes to everything. Yeah. Um, but just to give my team some grace and space to have really high quality work, given our capacity right now, um, that's just been a really important tone to set, I think. And then we all, we also do a bunch of coaching. We help. We actually help people through this process. So we come alongside our consultants and our clients, and we make sure that they have the skills needed to get through it. Because you can learn um, how to have higher EQ, how to do things like flexibility contracts, how to put in place. The tools to actually thrive in moments like this. So Mm. I'm so pleased that we have those products in our portfolio.
0: Oh, I love that. And you're touching also on like the, the mindset shift, the saying no, and the being strategic. Uh, Sometimes I find it's so unbelievable, but we will all try to act and operate as though we're living in the world that we used to live in. And so everything we said yes to nine months ago, we're like, Oh yeah, I'll still do that. Like, like, but we can't, and it, it's reasonable and appropriate to be able to go back and say, hey, things have changed. I'm no longer able to make this commitment, or I'm not going to be able to do this, or can I do a smaller subset of this, right? I really need to win on my time and focus, and my time's more limited now, um, you know, or pay me a whole lot more, right? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got some great comments here, by the way. Um, so, uh, somebody says, highest and best use is lodged in my head now, Bria. Um, Dia says, it's Dia or Dia. I don't know, but I'm a huge advocate for managers and leaders focusing on prioritizing versus productivity. We can't do it all. So realistically planning for what we can do in like a three or four work day instead. It's a lot of exclamation points on yeah no baths or fewer baths. Um, And a lot of ideas about meal time and meal planning, batch cooking. One person is a single mom who said they are uh, learning how to barbecue. Um, They barbecue Friday and Saturday to like get a whole bunch of stuff ready for that week ahead. So uh, this has been, thank you, all three of you for your time today. You're so generous to put this together. People listening, um, the, the challenge here is that we just gave you probably 72 ideas and you're in a place of paralysis, decision fatigue, and overwhelm. So what I would love you to do is think about one and only one thing you might be able to implement. Like what of all of these ideas can be the most useful to you? And the way that I like to think about this strategically is to think about sequencing things. So what of all these strategies will buy you the most time first? right? What will buy you the most sanity, energy, or time first? So you do not have to implement all these things. You do not have to batch your meals. You do not have to stop bathing your child if you don't want to. Like if those things you've got down pat, you can keep doing those. But is there one or two things out here that really stood out? Stood out? Um, on my checklist, I was taking notes, create a school locally. Maybe that's world changing, right? Go to, I think it's joinweekdays.com is Shauna's site. Um, and and don't wait for someone else to start it. Put your name in and start one. Because if you're thinking about it and wanting it, somebody else wants it. Um, as Blessing said, you know, maybe preparing your Q4 review because you need to keep your job is the most important thing that you do. And that's the only thing you do. You're like, I need to keep a list of all the ways that I am awesome because I gotta keep my job, right? Um, maybe you talk to your employer about switching your benefits to childcare Benefit coverage. So you say, hey, we've got that gym we're not using, and I don't need that remote thing, but I do need childcare coverage. Can we just make that line item switch? Um, and I think the last thing that I want to leave, uh, the note I want to end on for everyone, is that radical times, times of uncertainty and upheaval, ask for radical thinking and radical innovation. And so if we can take just a breath and see this maybe as an opportunity, a shitty opportunity you know, the circumstances aren't necessarily great. Don't know if I can curse here, but I just did. Um, (laughs) There might be a really cool opportunity here to change what schooling looks like, to change what your partnership looks like, to change what your employers do, to change the way you show up for yourself um, and the way you show up for other people. If you're drowning and that doesn't feel possible, then take the first next best step to make that possible. Thank you everyone for being here. I would like to ask each of you to tell us where can we find you? So tell us your website, the name of your company again, because repetition is awesome. Um, your social handles, if you will, and then anything you're working on that you're excited about coming up next. So blessing. And if you ever get one of those, it's fine. Just tell us about you. Blessing. Where can we find you?
2: Yes. Yeah, so I am at Um, Our social handle is at We also have a Caregiving and Work Summit coming up where we're bringing together caregivers, parents, and employers to talk about how we solve this crisis and all the wonderful innovations that are happening during this time. So feel free to go on caregivingandwork.com and um, register. It's free. And um, we're expecting thousands and thousands of attendees, so we cannot wait to have you. And um, I am also all over Instagram. So feel free to say hello at Mother Honestly.
0: Yes, one of the best Instagrams. I love following it. And I can't wait for your event coming up. Thank yeah. you. Um, Shauna, where can people find you and your work and your website?
1: Yeah, so you mentioned it. It's uh, Our, our company is called Weekdays and it's joinweekdays.com. And um, you can always just, so I'm on Twitter and I've often like, can respond on Twitter faster than email. So at Shauna Kagi on Twitter is great. I'm also on LinkedIn, kind of everywhere else. Um, And I think, you know, we talked about it, but the thing that I'm the most excited about is looking at business support and how businesses are going to support parents in particular, not just this year, but ongoing. Um, And I think that's one of the fastest ways we can see change. And so that's really what I'm focused on the next few months as we move into the it's scary but moving into the holidays already in the, in the next few months.
0: I know right it's wild I really really <laughs> hope that we can see such changes like this happen and make long lasting change um, for the years to come that would be thrilling. To go start a school folks and Priya uh, where can go start a school where can we find you what's your website and what are you excited about looking forward to?
3: Uh, We are lions-tigers.com. LinkedIn is our favorite space to be, so you can find Lions and Tigers there, or I'm at Bria Starmer on LinkedIn, so I would love to spend some time with you. Um, Up next, you know, I I think right now, like these couple of weeks are about back to school. So it's just like, I just want to cushion and hug everyone that's going through this experience that we're all collectively in. For those of you that have school age kids, Um, the thing I'm most excited about, I actually loved Blessing's comment about end of year, um, because it's such a beautiful time to think about reinvention and strategic planning for brands and organizations, and thinking about their talent revolution for 2021. I will have a baby on December 2nd, it's scheduled. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm also preparing a nursery while thinking about how brands can innovate talent. So uh, so there's a lot coming up for us, but we'd love to see Thanks, y'all on nice. LinkedIn.
0: Oh, I love it. And I'm Sarah Peck, everyone. I host a podcast, the Startup Parent Podcast. We talk about things like this. Oh, thanks, Bria. Um, and uh, for those listening later, we're going to rebroadcast this on the podcast, too. So she just said, yay, but she was muted. So I didn't just you know, shout to myself. But Startup Parent, we've got a podcast. You can find me at, at startup underscore parent on Twitter and Instagram. So everybody, thank you so much for attending. It is uh, just an honor to have you here. We are going to sign off. There will be a recording and it will be sent out along with all the links that we mentioned, all the places you can find us. So you don't have to remember and memorize everything. Um, And that is it. Have an amazing, amazing day. I hope that you got to attend any part of this um, and be well, take a breath, have a good one. Thanks everyone for joining.